0: We don't have time for no. that. Welcome back to the Renaissance <laughs> Podcast. Episode
1: 33, right. Papa Bear. That sounds right. Recently back from Harvard. Harvard, yes. I even bought a baseball cap and a scarf so I can actually tell people, yes, I attended Harvard dot, dot, dot for three days.
0: Oh, did you go to Harvard, right? Yeah, I did go to Harvard, yes. Thank you for... <laughs> Can we can we put that on our uh, podcast bio now? One of our hosts
1: uh, went to Harvard. Yeah, I think I already put it on there, so uh, I'm ahead of you. For yeah. a podcast conference, uh, right.
0: all the greatest history podcasters were invited, almost, except almost, uh, right. ex, except me, the Podfather. People flew. Chris Stapps in, Anderson was invited. He flew in from fucking Russia. Yes. Rhiannon Evans, uh, Aussie, uh, flew in. She's been on our old Caesar show. Nobody invited me. Right. Not even you. Even you didn't no. tell me about it until you were there.
1: I figured it was safe at that moment to then tell you about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Have a good time. It's okay. It's okay. You know.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, we're going to keep talking about Brunelleschi. Right. Uh, a lot of Brunelleschi left to go. Um, the more I read about this guy, the more I'm like, "Fuck off!" Like this guy was <laughs> so yes, just just crazy, ballsy, uh, clever, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I had no idea. Before we get into that, though, I want to I want to um, do a shout out to my friend uh, David Fisher. Mm-hmm. Um, David uh, just turned uh, 93. Wow. Um, Helped me prepare for this show. He he wrote wrote a lot of notes for me before we started the series. Was he there? To look at, when the dome to was about. built, he was. He was there. <laughs>
1: David, <laughs> no, David. No, no. the Renaissance? You follow. got it all wrong. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Well, actually, David's an American who lives oh, here. Um, okay. lived here for I don't know decades and decades. Anyway, we caught up with him uh, recently, went to visit he, him and his wife, Marie. Marie's, I think, 85. And mm. um, first thing David says is I was listening to your Renaissance show and um, when you were talking about Brunelleschi's, the, when he was in Rome and the way to measure the uh, the columns, right. the pillars, you left out how how to use the rod. So he explained to me how to use oh. the rod. Now, on the show, right. when you talked about the rod, you said you thought he took the rod and climbed up the columns when no one was looking to measure it. Apparently, that's not how you use the rod, really? according to David. Yeah. It
1: sounded right. So no, the, go ahead. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> so, the way David told me that you use the rod is you have a rod of a known height. Right. Let's say the that's rod is uh, a, a metre high, although I'm pretty sure that the... Uh, 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 early Renaissance didn't use the metric system, right. but let's just say it's a foot, a metre, six feet, whatever you want. Right. So what you do is you go uh, out in the middle of the day, you want to measure something, you you, you put the rod in the ground, standing upright, um, right. and you then look at the shadow oh. that is cast from that rod. Right. You measure the shadow, and from then you have two sides of a triangle, right, and you can calculate the... the Third side. Um, so when the, what you then do is you work out what the the um, angles and the ratios are in that triangle. Then you can look at the shadow being cast by the column, mm-hmm. and um, fucking somehow because no
1: because the, the two different because you know
0: lengths, right because you know the ratio between the height and the shadow length. Yeah, you then can. Uh, uh, reverse-engineer the height of the column from the length of its shadow if you do them at the same time and the sun's in the same place, right? Gotcha. So that's how you use the rods. So thank you to David yeah. for teaching me about rods. I like mine um, better,
1: but go ahead. David's
0: an amazing guy. Like, 93, he's, uh, in a, he's been in a retirement village with his wife, Marie, for the last year or so. Um, mm. I said, what have you been up to? He goes, oh, I just gave a series of 10 lectures uh, here at the uh, thing on philosophy. Fuck. Um, showed me his notes. He's talking he's talking to them about Stoics and Epicureans. So we had a long conversation about what we like about Stoicism and Epicureanism. He's always reading, what are you, what are you oh, reading a book on f- physics, uh, maths. Um, why? <laughs> uh, you know, never know when it might come in handy. That's right. You know? um, yeah, absolutely impressive and uh, inspiring man, nice. David. Always nice to catch up with them, David and Marie. We love them. Um, so let's talk about Bruno and the Dome Like well, Where we finished last time, episode thirty-two, we said that after fifty years of planning, yeah, on the morning of August seventh, fourteen twenty, right? They uh, what do what do you call it? You, they broke dirt, not broke wind. They right. broke dirt, then they broke wind and bread. That's how they did it back in the people. Did, yeah, right. it, it was always in that order. <laughs> In uh, the Renaissance, you had to break dirt, break wind, and then you could break brick. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So, we want to talk on this episode about all of the magic tricks (laughs) that Brunelleschi came up with. Yeah. To build a dome out of bricks that curves upwards with no support and doesn't fall down.
1: Well made Out of bricks in love. and love, and just everybody keep in mind for this episode or how, however many episodes it takes. I mean, this is all hindsight, this has all been investigated for hundreds of years by professionals. So, so we're going to mention it, we're going to do the best we can. But just, just please keep in mind that this guy created all of these things. That's you know, as long as you hold on to that, you will be as impressed as we were when we first read about it,
0: yeah. And but bit of a warning right. uh, before we get into Uh-oh. it, we, we,
1: we got, we got
0: the stuff out of books. We did. Um, <laughs> and despite what some cocksucker said <laughs> on Reddit the other day, <laughs> we don't really think we deserve a PhD. no. no. Uh, just just a regular degree yeah. would be fine. Like yeah. in medicine, something like that doesn't have to be a PhD. Yeah. Doesn't have to be history related. Just any degree. I don't care what it is. Just give us a degree.
1: Basket weaving. Whatever. By the way, yeah.
0: <laughs> by the way, we're kidding. What the fuck? How do people not know what I'm kidding? Is it because my my serious voice? Is the same as my kidding voice and I, people can't tell the difference I
1: think, between the two? I think you hit it on the nose. I think, yeah, 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 that, that's what it is. So what I'll do is I'll hold up my left hand from now on when Cam is kidding.
0: I need a, I need a, like a, a wacky sound <laughs> so- effect to let people know <laughs> that. You know,
1: what you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you? What you talking about? What you talking about, you talking about Cam? Just,
0: when I, when, when, whenever I say something and I'm not serious, I will just go. Yeah, <laughs> boy. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> this guy on Reddit said Cam takes himself thinks, thinks very highly of himself. Right. I seem to recall that in the very first ten seconds of the very first episode of Life of Caesar. Right. I, I made a mistake. I said uh our our very uh, very first something episode and then you said it and I said, Oh, that doesn't make any sense. You said edit it out and I said, No, I'll leave it in there so everyone knows I'm an idiot. That was that, <laughs> that was, was a- the first thing I said on our first <laughs> podcast together. I'm an idiot. That
1: was a framework and, we used.
0: And uh, yeah. Uh, and people go, Oh, he takes himself very seriously. No. Fuck you. No. No sense of humor or intelligence in <laughs> was. Uh, okay, sorry, back to Bruno. <laughs> I'd like to point out that I don't think all of our listeners are morons. No. Just the ones that uh, write stupid shit on Reddit. Right. Where was I? Oh, okay. Bruno didn't invent just one thing. He invented a whole bunch of things. Uh, in fact, he invented inventing, <laughs> as we'll see as we go through this. He did. Um, uh, uh, and this is even before he invented linear perspective. Right. This is just how to build a dome. <clears throat> but the first thing I want to talk about, mm, Ray, yeah. is what is known in Italian as spina di pece. Oh, you're going to jump to that. I like to say it like of that, the like I'm a Mario or some guy from a pizza ad. Spina di pece. The spine of the fish. Right. Uh, what would we call that in... Eng- I, you, I know that you speak fluent Italian, right? right? How, right. how how would you translate Spina di Peccia into uh, English?
1: Well, see, that's, that's, that's kind of funny that you ask, because I'll say it in English, but I have this really thick Italian accent. So it probably wouldn't make much sense anyway. So it's a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, <we're idiots>. herringbone pattern.
0: <laughs> herringbone, right. So a zigzag pattern. Right. Now... Bruno's idea was to zigzag the bricks. Now, you may recall, folks, that in previous episodes we were talking about the, one of the problems with building anything, really, is how what you do, what you do with the forces. Gravity, uh, how, how you, I don't know, manipulate that in a way to keep the thing standing up. And obviously with the dome, things are bending, things are curving. Right. Uh, lots of forces to to figure out here. And, and Brunelleschi's idea was... To zigzag the bricks. Basically have some lying flat and then some vertical. Flat, vertical, flat, vertical. If you have all of the bricks lying horizontal, the forces are all pushing in a single direction. But if you stick a vertical brick in there, every few bricks, it pushes back on the horizontal forces. A good way to understand this, I think, is that it's all about levels.
1: I'm completely changing the configuration of the apartment. You're not going to believe it when you see it. Whole new lifestyle. (laughs) What are you doing? Levels.
0: (laughs) Levels. I'm getting rid of all my furniture, all
1: of it. And I'm going to build these different levels, you know, with steps. (laughs) And it'll all be carpeted with a lot of pillows. You know, like ancient
0: Egypt. (laughs) You drew up plans no, for this? No. No, it's all in
1: my head. I don't see how you can get comfortable like that. Well, I'll, comfortable. <laughs> so I'll get comfortable. I'll get comfortable. Don't you worry about that.
0: Now, if you've cl- have, have, have you ever climbed the Dome Ray?
1: Uh, not sober, so I don't remember anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not the kind of climb you'd want to do not sober.
1: <laughs> no. Ah, no, that would scare the shit out of me.
0: You've, have you seen video? I'm sure you've seen video of people climbing the dome. Yes, that was freaky, freaky. Well, When you climb there, so there's an inner dome and an outer dome, as we've discussed, and, and there's a, um, there are steps uh, that go between the two. If you want to climb right up to the top of the dome, which you can do, uh, you, you go through these uh, – mo- it's mostly – some of it's uh, outside, but most of it's inside. You climb all the way up. There's very, very narrow, very <laughs> – yes. um, uh, low ceiling staircase, and it's fucking like a million steps. Right. So you kind of you got to be hunched over right. all the way to climb up this thing. You got to want and it. like for some, I think for somebody like you, you could probably be on stilts right. and it'd be okay. <laughs> Fine. I think Brunelleschi yeah. was a shorty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Thomas Maquette, stop making short jokes about Ray on Facebook, dude. Yeah. Dude, he's your height, right? Exactly. He's about your height. Yeah, yeah you can't if you're a, if you're a, midgets can't make midget no jokes about other midgets. It's uncouth. uncouth. You got to support each other, <laughs> literally. Um, <laughs> so, but if you're a tall motherfucker, right? It's really, it's really, it's a very difficult climb. Um, but anyway, if you walk up between the two, in certain sections there isn't any plaster on the walls, and you can actually see ah. the zigzag pattern. Right. And now this was apparently so original, the idea of building the bricks this way, that Bruno not only needed to convince the committee, the Opera del Duomo, that this was a good idea. He needed to convince the workers <laughs> that it wouldn't all fall down on them. They're working 230 feet in the air. Brick falls on them. Not, not good. Not a good look. Um, so how did he make them trust him with this
1: race? Um, I, was it the sample, do- uh, sample dome that he built that was discovered in 2012?: The
0: sample dome, the 12-foot high demo dome, right that we talked about last time in the car park of the Duomo Museum. It's assumed anyway, right. That he said, "Look, look, we'll build a small one. you can see how this is going to work. Contest it." Proof of
1: concept, we might call it. If if I can just mention real quick, yeah, so because when you're – and we've talked about that video, I think, last time – which everybody should watch. It will not be a waste of your time. You won't be bored. But when you have the same just line of bricks going along and mortar in between, all all that mortar is going to become your planes of weakness as soon as the dome starts to curve in because the gravity is going to start pulling straight down. So again, we're we're talking about this, but this man was absolutely brilliant because he stepped back and he said, what's the problem? Well, the basic, the most basic problem is the mortar. Those are the points of weakness. I have to do something to negate having a having a straight line of mortar between all of these bricks, and so we're just, we're just sitting here talking about it. But for him to come up with this, and then to take it to the next level by coming up with an exact system of how it was going to be done, just sheer brilliance that he thought up on his own. And I don't know about you, Cam, but I couldn't find out exactly when he came up with this, did he already know about it? Did he learn it in Rome? Did he discover some along the way? Or did he not even really think about it until the contest for the dome was announced? Well, there
0: are various theories on this, mm-hmm. but before we get into that, okay. yeah, I just want to point out that, um, so if you think about, uh, if, if, if these, these horizontal bricks pushing up against vertical bricks, which push back on them a little bit and it, and it spreads out the forces, the other thing is if you took off the outer layer of tiles and bricks and you looked at the dome brickwork, mm-hmm. if you skinned it and then looked underneath it, what you'd notice is that the Spinner depecha patterns follow the dome around like a spiral. Yes. So if you look at the vertical bricks, they go up like a spiral. So it becomes really a single dome, not eight right. separate sides. Incredible, uh, and, and apparently that spreads out. These forces Making it more stable So it's very stable Like Trump A very stable (coughs) genius Um, (laughs) That's That's what this is Right Now where Bruno learned about this Herringbone bond Is one of the great Unsolved mysteries of the dome Now The herringbone pattern Had been around forever Um, Masons and bricklayers Had been using it for Centuries Thousands of years In fact The Romans uh, used herringbone a lot. Mm -hmm. They they called it opus spicatum, which literally translates as spiked work. And you can see the pattern in half-timbered brick walls of Tudor houses in England. But in all of these cases, it's decorative. It's not structural. It doesn't serve any purpose other than looking pretty a bit like you (laughs) in this shot. Thank you. Um, It's okay. Um, I did a new show with you on by by myself on Monday because you were stuck with power lines down over oh my the road God, or some bullshit. Trauma. Go ahead. Uh, uh, well, you were at the whorehouse and couldn't find your keys, <laughs> one of the two, and uh, it wasn't the same. So boring Aww. doing a show by myself, buddy. I, I miss you. I'm here for you. I mean, you don't do much, no. but
1: it's just that. I just should have had a
0: giggle track. <laughs> Next time, I'll just have a giggle track.
1: I'm like a teddy bear. As long as I'm there, you can squeeze me every once in a while. The world is good. Mm-hmm.
0: I'll have a giggle track, and then I'll just uh, you know get some. I'll just repeat back what I just said.
1: To myself. Oh, and get yourself a sex doll, a giggle track, and repeat yourself, and boom—you don't even need me anymore. Don't don't need you. Anymore. <laughs> um. Anyway, so it's decorative. Right. Now,
0: the Romans used it for ornamental paving on the floors of their villas and stuff like that. But I read that. Interlocking brickwork similar to this has been found in domes in Persia and mm-hmm. Byzantine areas. So smart people. Some scholars think Bruno might have visited these lands during his Montages. Uh, <laughs> right, or it's what, th- what I think. That's what I think of the Rome years. <laughs> um, they're the, montage. They're, uh, they're the montage years because we don't really know right. uh, what he was doing there, just uh, that he was uh, having a montage. Uh, he was he was learning. Right. He was on the tools, learning how things work. Uh, how, hold on, I've got to play that now.
1: Just give it your best. You've got to reach your prime, and that's what you need to put yourself to the test and show us the passage of time. We're going to need montage. Montage. Ooh, It takes mountains
0: to show other things. That's Bruno. <laughs> He's in Rome, maybe going S- to Persia, Sildesizer. maybe going right. Yeah. He's just he's working away, studying, up on the Pantheon. We gotta make this movie. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah.
1: let, let me ask you this real quick. Um the cha- obviously we don't know what he was doing in, in his time in Rome, in his time of travels. Is is do you think it's equally likely that he got hold of a book from the East versus actually physically going to the East and checking out structures or talking to the to the appropriate people? No. No.
0: No. Do you know why?
1: No, tell me why.
0: Well, because the books from the East would have been written in Greek, and Brunelleschi didn't speak Greek. Ah. Oh, couldn't read Greek. Gotcha. Um, some books from the East did arrive in Florence eventually, but as far as we know, he didn't have access to them, and even if he had, he wouldn't have been able to read them. So, some travel. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe he saw some pictures. In a book Picture somewhere, book. in a scroll. Yeah. But I think, I think he probably just travelled around. He, I think he, he was like just saying to stopping people in the street and going, "Hey, you know, anywhere where there's really great domes?" And they will go, "Yeah, fuck, man, have you been to Babylon? Great domes in Babylon." He's like, "Fuck, I'll go to Babylon, go see some Babylonian domes, Domophile. the Babylon dome." Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was just checking domes out. He he did dome research, deep dome (laughs) research. Dome lover. That's what he did. Get out of
1: here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Get out of here, you dome (laughs) lover. Um, Now, another trick that he used to make it more stable is that if you look at the bricks from corner to corner, Mm -hmm. you would see that they slope downwards, each, each row of bricks slopes downward. They form a downward arch, higher in the corners, lower in the centre of the wall. Ah. And apparently this pushes the weight downwards, a bit like you pushed me downwards in <laughs> Vegas. And that is apparently also good for stabilising <laughs> the, the forces.
1: Uh, was that something that he theoretically came up with on his own, or was that, had that been done before?
0: No, no, no one had done this before. Damn. At least, at least you know, in Italy, right. no one had done this before. No one had done it. Any- yeah. Yeah, no, he came up with that. He, he, it was one of his ideas. No, he may have seen this somewhere else, but we don't know where. Now, there's another great story about the zigzag pattern that I, I want to tell you. I don't know if you've read about this. Did you hear about his uh, how he tricked everyone with the zigzags?
1: No. Please tell me.
0: So I said earlier, when you climb up the staircase of the Duomo, There are some sections that aren't covered in plaster where you can see the zigzag work. Right. Well, apparently this was deliberate. But in the sections that he didn't plaster over, the amount of mortar between the bricks is way too thin Mm. to actually contain the forces of the bricks. But in the sections where the plaster has chipped away over the centuries, you can see the right amount of mortar has been used between the bricks. So what he seems to have done is deliberately left sections of the wall unplastered with a fake amount of mortar <laughs> in there. Right. So if any other architects, builders <clears throat> went, oh, I see That's how he a- did that, and they went and tried it.
1: They would die. It would. F- they would <laughs> die. The workers would <laughs> die. The investors would lose their money. The town would be embarrassed. That's a cunt. Yeah. That's a cunt move. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a cunt. Move. That's just
0: one of many. Oh, I've got great many stories to tell <laughs> of, of cunt things that he did.
1: Like he he was like, well, no, I'm you're gonna, not gonna you're gonna come mine. here and steal
0: my ideas exactly. He went to the effort while building the Duomo Fuck. to deliberately engineer yeah. fake fake news <clears throat> into it. Just to cause people to die <laughs> later on if they tried to rip him off.
1: Let, let me ask you this real quick. The uh, the sample dome, if that story is accurate, I get the sense that even something like having to show his hand that much would have pissed those people off. I mean, to me, that seems within his character, that's only a guess on my part, but yeah, I can, I can easily imagine him doing this fake news brick story just to mess with people, probably still pissed about having to build the demo dome in the first place.
0: Yeah, just trust me, I'm a genius. You haven't done anything before. Yeah, well, you know, that's neither here nor there. Now, another question with the dome is how he managed to get all of the sides... To rise evenly and meet at the top. Magic. I don't know if we mentioned this last time, but the 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 um, what do they call the base of the dome? Um, the drum. The the drum. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. The octagonal drum, unfortunately, hadn't been built very evenly. <laughs> right. They're like, ah, oh, fuck it, just throw, throw it really- up. No one, no one. It doesn't matter. But but, they, but it's not our problem. <laughs> You know, you didn't about- <laughs> ask us to build it
1: <laughs> Worry about accurately. it on the top. Exactly. We'll worry yeah. when we get to the top.
0: Not our problem. That's the next guy's problem <laughs> is to build it. I'll be dead <laughs> by then. So tell us, Ray, how did he get it all to rise yeah. evenly and meet at the top at a nice little point?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. So as the wall is rising and coming inward and you've got these eight teams of Masons, each Whoa.
0: Wh- Coming inward, Sorry, Sorry. But <laughs> so
1: keep going. So, so the wall is coming <laughs> inward by design. You've got. <laughs> You've got these eight teams of masons, each working on their own wall. Well, the big question, like you just said, is how to make sure these walls all meet up perfectly at the top. So, and you're about what almost three hundred feet in the air, and you so then you can put the uh, the part on the top that's going to hold it in place. Yeah. So if this if they don't guarantee that, then it could skew to the left. It could skew to the right. It could have a weird weird pattern to it. So clearly. What is needed are straight lines from the base all the way to the top, so the question is how do you get a straight line up in the air between these ever increasing distance is uh, these ever two increasing points the floor and wherever the top of your wall happens to be well, obviously, they knew that ropes were used because that was a very basic uh, device that was used at the time so that 's not the mystery. The mystery is. What pattern of ropes did he use to guarantee success? How were the ropes set up? Now, obviously, for quality's sake, the base of the ropes have to be placed on the 29-foot wooden platform at the base of the dome. But what comes after that? How are they... how how exactly did he align his ropes to guarantee this ever increasing eight sided wall to go up and meet perfectly at the top? And for the longest time, nobody could figure out how he did it because he purposely didn't leave anything around because he was a cunt with a big C. Um, but later on, a parchment is found, and uh, that was that was that was drawn up five years after the dome started uh, being worked on. And through that parchment, they think they have figured out. Brunelleschi's secret.
0: So, yeah. Imagine you're putting bricks on top of each other, varying sizes of bricks, handmade, obviously. Uh, You're slapping on mortar in between them. Four million bricks... (laughs) Later. ...weighing 40,000 tonnes. There are (laughs) going to be variations in height, even if the drum had been... Perfectly even, which it wasn't. Right, you're still going to get all of this potential variation. Is the mortar, like some places, the mortar's half an inch thick. Some, some it's like half and a quarter. Some yeah. it's three quarters of an inch thick, and the bricks are different sizes. Uh, so, how do you get this to be perfectly even? Not to mention the fact that you know you're, you're building this thing on a slanting wall. <laughs> now right. this guy there's one guy who thinks he worked it out his name's Massimo Ricci he is still alive teaches architecture at the University of Florence and for the last 30 years he has built been building a one fifth scale model mm-hmm. of the dome uh, he's been working on it for 30 years it took Bruno 16 years to build the actual dome <laughs> this guy's been working on this thing 30 years but it's not really right. it's kind of like a it's like a um, just a place to go and experiment right. and he and he brings down masons and bricklayers and architects from the university and they they dick around with it. He published a book in 1983 called Il Fiore di Santa Maria del Fiore, the flower of Saint Mary of the Flower. Right. <laughs> and okay. In it, he talks about this guy you mentioned who wrote the this paper um, back in 1425. His name was Giovanni di Prato, or Joey the Pratt, as they called him. <laughs> the Brat. Hey, yeah. hey,
1: it's Joey the
0: Brat. Hey, Joey. <laughs> now, in 1425, about five years after the work began, he wrote a critique Uh-oh. of Bruno and what he and his methods for building the dome. Basically, he said this guy's a dickhead and it's all going to fall down. He was the it's the only contemporary surviving account of the building of the dome. As you said, Bruno didn't write anything down because he didn't want anyone to steal his ideas. Um, now, this, this uh, document by De Prato was discovered in the mid-19th century in the archives somewhere. Wow. You know, Duomo archives. Mm-hmm. But no one really understood the importance of it until Massimo Ricci got a look at it. Yeah. But I want to before we get in I want to talk about a little bit about De Prato. Did you read about De Prato?
1: Um, I was impressed to learn that uh, he's as qualified to criticize architecture as I am to do a podcast. The only thing that I could find <laughs> that he had ever done was that he was a lecturer on Dante at the University of Florence. Now, is that impressive? Absolutely. Does that get the chicks? Impressive. Impressive. Impres- Im- impressive. impressive. I can't okay. hear myself. I'm I'm in a it's a long story. You're wearing, I'm wearing cans, yeah. I'm wearing cans. So, but the point is, yeah, so that's very impressive. But um, I'm not sure exactly what that has to do with architecture, but maybe it was personal that he was just trying to, you know, stick it to uh, Bruno.
0: Yeah, a bit of both, I think. And, and of course, Bruno had no experience in architecture either, so, you know. <laughs> like, well,
1: but I got ideas, one, and I got the math. Anyone can
0: do this. Right. Yeah, so he didn't like Bruno from the get-go and he thought he was fucking it up. Now, he was Ghiberti's deputy. Uh-oh. We have to get back to the Ghiberti story here yeah. in a second. But he said that Bruno wasn't sticking to the original design, Neri's uh, design, Ooh. and the dome would fall down. Turns out he was wrong on both counts. <coughs> the, the finished dome is exactly to the original design. Right. And so far it's still standing. But it was probably m- more to do with politics. Now, Team Ghiberti <laughs> hadn't had much to do. If you remember uh, back when we talked about the beginning of this, the the Opera del Duomo ran a competition to come up with who could not design the dome because it had been designed a lot earlier by Neri di Fioravanti, but uh, who could figure out how to build it, Right. the, the approach, the methodology. And Bruno's approach won, but... They said, yeah, but you're, you're, we don't really trust you, <laughs> so you're going to share the job right. of Capo Maestro, the the master builder or master mason, with Gibbo, Lorenzo Ghiberti, the right. guy building the Bapestry Doors, the guy that Bruno lost the Bapestry Doors competition to 20 years earlier. And we're going to pay you the same. Um and we're going to pay – well, not only – so the, the 200 florin prize that we said uh, yeah. we were going to pay out, we're not going to pay it out. B, the uh, the the uh, monthly salary right. of six florins a month that we had set aside for the Kappa Maestro's job, you guys have got to share that. Fuck. And it wasn't much, apparently. Right. It wasn't – there wasn't a huge amount of money. So – you know, that's uh, – obviously, Bruno's not going to be happy about that. Um, and But, of course, Gibbo's not going to be happy about that either. Yeah. Now, um, by the way, Capo Maestro should not be confused with a Capo Regime.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: the head of a mafia crew. Slightly different. Um, two different things. Right. Although, really, probably not that much. <laughs> so how do you think Gibbo felt? He had spent 20 years – Building the baptistry doors. The first right. doors weren't even finished yet. They don't get finished until 1424. This is 1420 or 1418 when they have the competition. Right. 1420 when they start building it. But he's already celebrated as a genius. Remember yeah. one of the things about Ghiberti is he let people into his he was nice. workshop, into the foundry. Right. Yeah, it's like hey, you come me in, you'll see what they build. <laughs> it's, it. cool. it's, yeah. not yeah.
1: it's not the finish. It's not the finish yet, but it doesn't matter. Come in, you have a look, it's good. Is you do know why I'm happy because I'm a 37 and I married a 16 year old. I'm happy, happy penis. eh? (laughs) Hey, so he uh, he's like, Well, what the
0: what what the fuck's Bruno ever done? Why are you giving him the job? He's done nothing, right? All right, he's building that thing for the orphanage, he did the egg thing, he's
1: done nothing. I'm a genius.
0: Everyone tells me (laughs) I'm a genius, I'm a very stable genius. (laughs) I'm the guy. LeBron's a
1: master. He's a master baiter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice one. Thank you. Um, but
0: so Gibbo basically decides to bide his time. He's like, look, Bruno's got no architectural experience. Right. All I'll, I'll just I'll go keep building my doors. Yeah. Show Eventually, up. Bruno will fail, right. and then I'll be able to say, I fucking told you so. Right. Here I am. And I'll, I'll take over, right. and I'll be a hero, right? <laughs> yeah, however, didn 't quite work out that way. Bruno flipped it i don 't know that's I think that 's what the kids say yeah they flipped, flipped it, it. Yeah. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Did you hear about how he got rid of Ghiberti
1: so one of the things we haven 't really mentioned, and um, i i don 't know if, if cam you want to talk about it later, but there there are uh, i think four chains around the Duomo that we can talk about or not, but the point is. Um, One of the chains was wooden. And so it's time for the wooden chain to be put in place in uh, in uh, 1424, which is going to encircle the dome 25 feet above the first stone chain. So the point is, Bruno saw his chance. They have to have another competition for this because again they can't use centering, they can't use support. So models for the chain were put up, and again Bruno wins this contest in August of 1423, and he wins a uh, hundred florins. And he already won a hundred florins um, for the hoist. I'm not sure if we sp- talked about that yet. So anyway, so he so he wins this contest. He wins the with his model. He wins this. So his supply starts coming in. So the chestnut tree for the For the wooden chain starts to come in, so when the when the wood starts to come in it 's time to construct it and get it ready to go, oh my goodness, Bruno. Gets sick. He takes to a sick bed. He's got a he's got a pain in his head. He's got a pain in his side, and he lays there in bed, and um, he he just disappears. And everybody's freaking out. They don't know what to do. So he comes out a couple of days later, but he's still got his head all bandaged up. Some people thought he was dying, and they were nervous because they thought he was the only one who could do it. Others were, thought he was intimidated by this massive project. He really sat down and had to think about it. He's freaking out. So now he's 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 faking an illness, and so he goes back to a sickbed so now the building of the wooden chain and the continuation of the dome is now on as all on ghiberti so um bruno had not shared any of his specific plans for the chain all all uh, ghiberti has is bruno's model for the chain so ghiberti gets started on it he has the men start to, to, to do their work they begin laying the chestnut beams along one of the eight walls and attaching them and Gabberti is doing the best he can because even though he's got the model, he doesn't have Bruno's exact um relatively complex plans about how he was going to do this. He was going to really secure down with um uh, with special plates made of oak and iron bolts, but he did not tell Gaberti anything about this. And I'm gonna stop in just a second, but so three beams were connected to one wall, and then suddenly Bruno magically recovers, and he comes out, and the first thing he does is inspect Ghiberti's work.
0: Yeah, so the, getting back to the chains, so yeah. Nero, Neri, Neri de Fiorente's uh, original designs suggested they would use these chains, massive, massive chains. We're talking like huge <laughs> chains. Um, some are going to be iron, some are going to be wood, some are going to be sandstone. They're going to wrap around the dome. Wow. You can't see it from the outside, obviously, but they're going to be wrapped around the outside of it to, again, deal with the hoop stress that we talked about in an earlier episode. Mm-hmm. So they're like the iron bands around a, a, a wine barrel. Ah, Keep it all pushed in. They're like a girdle, basically. Right. That girdle that you wear that you no. don't let people see. But it's, I saw it's it in Vegas. It just holds holds it's, the shit in, it's, right? It's in
1: my contract. You're not allowed to talk about that.
0: Uh, you can edit okay. that out. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but how to design these things so they would actually work is the big question. This wasn't a totally new idea. There had been similar chains used in the baptistry dome, ah. although it's a lot smaller. Right. Anyway as you said uh they ran another competition hundred floor implies although who would trust these pricks after they reneged <laughs> on the last prize I have no idea why you would trust them but they did so anyway as you say Bruno fakes this illness right. and goes oh you better get Gibbo to do it he's a fucking genius I'm, just- <laughs> I'm sure he can sure he can handle I'm it I am too sick right. I'll come sick. I' think I'm dying yeah. Gibbo is like, oh fuck! I've been making my bronze <laughs> doors. I, I wasn't ready for this. Can I so. make bronze
1: chains? Yeah, go ahead.
0: He has a look at the. He has a look at the chains on the baptistry dome. He's already building the doors. He climbs up, has a look, goes, "Oh, I can see yeah. how you do this." All right, goes down. The wood for these chains obviously been cut to Brunelleschi's specifications. Based on his design. Now, as you say, uh, his design is actually quite complex, more complex than the Bapestry dome chains. Right. Logs are going to be clamped together with special plates made from oak. Wow. How you do that, don't ask me. (laughs) But then they were going to be attached above and below. Yeah. uh, With iron bolts. Locked in. And then the logs are going to be wrapped in iron straps to prevent the bolts from splitting them. Damn. So it's quite complex, but he hasn't shared this with Gibbo. So Gibbo, as you say, does a few of them. And then miraculously, Brunelleschi's better. Runs up the ladder, got gets to the top, has a look, walks around, just shaking his head, going, uh, oh, "Oh my god, this is a fuck. fucking disaster! <laughs> what is? What was he thinking? I'm going to have to pull it all apart. He pulled a ray and start again. Yeah. How's
1: the, how's that array? No, just he just fucked it up. I was just. Anticipating you, oh Gibbo, Paul that. Ray. Oh, I Gibbo see what pulled away. Oh, Gibbo pulled away. Not Bruno. No, 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 uh, no. I,
0: I thought you were going to say he snuck off to a podcasting conference uh, <laughs> oh, without inviting you
1: and banged other podcasters. We'll talk hey, about so that.
0: Right? How did you? How did you get invited to this thing? He goes oh, Laszlo Montgomery told them to invite me. I go right. Did you? Did you then tell them <laughs> to invite me? I
1: no. Did not. No. Uh, I feel bad. I feel bad that I got caught. No. But uh, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, I knew you were going to yeah. come, so it wasn't an issue. Uh-huh. But that's that's, yeah, that's my thing. That's, that's what my. It's my story, and I'm sticking to I it.
0: I knew you weren't going to come, so <laughs> I didn't bother. Now, after this whole thing, so he makes Giberti look bad. Bruno's salary is tripled. Oh my god! Up to a hundred florins a year. Woo! Gibbo remains at the thirty-six florins <laughs> until the summer of 1425, when his pay is suddenly suspended. Right. For six months.
1: Oh, God.
0: Oh, God. Then they do put him back on the salary, but it's still only three florins a month. um, Fuck me. Which means he's getting paid a third of what Bruno is getting paid. Right. Uh, So that's how Bruno managed to shiv (laughs) Gaberti. But it's... In this whole project
1: it's good you know like you said, I think earlier, um, Ghiberti's got his second set of bronze doors to work on so he, he's he 's got stuff, but still it 's got to sting his uh, professional pride now this
0: de Prado guy Joey De Pratt was uh, Ghiberti, he was part of team Giberti. right he's his deputy now he is pissed at this and this is why he writes this document this critique um, of what Bruno's doing. Maybe he's hoping that he can stick it to Bruno. You shivved us, we'll shive you. <laughs> and he'll be able to take over the project himself and become oh. famous, and then we'll be doing a podcast about him <laughs> 200 years, 400 Boy. years later. Yeah. 500 shit. <laughs>
1: whatever the maths say. 600 years later, we'll be doing a podcast about I, him. I have to ask, did you read about Prato's one attempt to contribute... Architecturally, I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. I don't. Yeah, I don't want antici- yeah. to anticipate. I not want to your story. Okay, I'm sorry. So this guy's my to my mind not qualified. But again, like you said, it's a personal political attack. It's not about the dome.
0: I think De Prado also put in a submission for the building of the dome in the first place. Uh, he wasn't one of the finalists, Awkward. but they said, oh, well, you obviously know something, yeah. so we'll put you... Yeah, you're a lecturer. You, 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 that's why he's, he's Gberti's deputy. Gotcha. So anyway, as part of this document that he wrote, he carefully sketched the rope lines that Bruno was using to line up the sides and the work platform that his workers were standing on, and it turns out it was in the shape of a flower. Ah. That's cute. Now, if you picture an octagon, eight straight sides, then draw a little semicircle from corner to corner, Mm -hmm. that's what it looks like. Gotcha. It's the flower of the Santa Maria de Fiore, the flower of the flower. I like that. Which is fucking fucking deep, man. Poetic. Poetic, yeah. Remember why it's called The Flower? It's called St. Mary of the Flower because Florence means the flower, um, the flowering colony. Uh, The the symbol of Florence is the fleur-de-lis. But this is a flower inside the flower. (laughs) uh, And it it was basically a, a miniature design on the floor of the dome. Right. That he drew it on the floor, on the work platform. So what... Richie claims Bruno did is he would attach the rope line to each section of the flower. It was like sectioned off, right? Right. Um, proportionally, so they put one point of the rope on the flower on the work platform, stretch it up to the top, and then just move it slowly around the flower. Yes. And, uh, uh, and so you would always have it if the if the rope is kept taut you'd have it always exactly even as you went around. You'd be able to tell, okay, we've got too much mortar here. Take a little bit out. This brick's a little bit short. Whack a few bit more mortar in. Right. Able to keep it perfectly even all the way around. So this is genius. Took him 600 years to work out how he did this. Wow. And it was only because of this uh, picture that his enemy, <laughs> his, his arch enemy, right. well, his arch enemy's deputy drew that uh, Ricci was able to figure it out.
1: So so um I just I just want to make sure in this sense so as the as the height of the wall increases the angle of the rope adjusts accordingly is that what helps them control the actual angle the surface of the next brick that's going up t- to help it <clears throat> excuse me to help it curve in like it's supposed to or am I overthinking it Does that make sense
0: Yeah no I yeah, no. I, he he knows the calculations okay. for where the marker on the rope should be. So as the as the bricks get higher, the marker on the rope where the next brick needs to be changes, and you just go right around the dome, make sure all of the bricks are at that marker. Then you do the next level. Fuck. You change the marker on the rope, go all the way around, do it again, all the way around. Yeah.
1: Damn. Simple. Yeah. But genius. Yeah. Once you see it, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you can check it out on that, uh, look up Ricci, Dome, mm-hmm. Duomo, video on Florence awesome. on YouTube, and you'll be able to see video of the guy building his uh, his uh, one-fifth scale model, how they do it. Right. Now, we talked about the, 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 the chains. Um, there were iron chains also supposedly that run around the inside of the dome. Unfortunately, a magnetic survey of the dome in 1970 found no evidence for them. They were supposed to be there, <gasps> right? They're in the designs, oh. but again, it's one of these mysteries. No one, no one really knows because you can't because they're inside the dome, right? And they said, "Okay, well, we'll just put some magnets up there. If there's iron in there, it'll pick it up." Not easy nothing. peasy, yeah. Mind you, I'm not sure how good their magnetic surveying equipment was in 1970,
1: and um, can't they? You know, yeah, couldn't they X-ray it at this point? I mean, it is 2018, probably uh but st- but still that's that's again that's a part of the mystery of Brunelleschi and the dome there's something they thought they had figured out but they can't use science to prove as far as the metal and the chains again that just adds to the mystique of it
0: now they also as i said before use sandstone chains like mm-hmm. imagine building chains out of sandstone I mean, we're talking changes here that, chains here that are huge absolutely huge right and this apparently the sandstone one consisted of two concentric rings of sandstone that lie horizontally right around the circumference of the dome. Wow! And then along these you have interlocked shorter beams on the transverse, like like uh, railway ties. Right. Uh, every three feet, there's another sandstone, vertical beam basically going through the horizontal beams. Damn. Um, how they built all of this shit 600 years ago boggles my mind.
1: Did you did you read about the stones that they got from the north of Florence? I, I don't know anything about stones, and I don't want to preempt you, but I just thought it was interesting that when they were extracting the stone, stones, they would cut it roughly to size. And then you hit the stones with a hammer. Now, that I had heard of before, that if it's a good piece of stone, it will ring like a bell. If, it's, if there's a crack inside or if there's space inside, it will be like a dull thud, and you, and you throw it away. But then I didn't realize that you have to smell the stone. Did you run across that? I have never heard of that before. <laughs> no, this is sandstone. You have to yeah. get your nose in there. you got, you, got to cra- you got to cut it, and then you crack it. And here's the best part. If it smells like rotten eggs... It's a good stone. And the stronger the sulfurous smell, I'm probably saying that wrong, the stronger the smell, the better the quality of the stone. So you hit it, you crack it, you you can lick it if you want, but you certainly smell it and you hit it with a hammer, and that way you know you're dealing with Uh, the best stone that you can get and these like you said these horizontal beams were seven and a half feet long 17 inches in the section but again these guys were just they must have had massive arms and shoulders to be working in this stuff day in and day out they had to be some burly guys by the time they uh worked a couple years with this stuff
0: i think there must be a lot of high quality sandstone in my office yeah because it smells (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs)
1: It could just be beans. Or you, do, you, <clears throat> do you eat a lot of beans?
0: <laughs> no. Okay. No, too much carbs. It's, it's, in beans, it's, it's yeah. I do eat a lot of eggs, okay, though. Okay, well, I, do eat a lot of eggs, yeah. I think we're onto Protein. something. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. could be that. <laughs> Chrissy comes in. She goes, it smells it no goes just sandstone, baby. It's just sandstone. <laughs> good sandstone. It's the good shit. Um, now, the other way that he contained the hoop stress, uh, again, part of the original design, is the large white... Carrara marble spines that run up the outside of the dome. Mm. Um, Everyone knows what they look like. I'm assuming the big white bits that come down, they're made of Carrara marble. Wow. Um, Same thing like your Statue of David is made out of white marble. Imagine how fucking heavy that is. Now, there's some really good stories about the marble and how they got it there, which we'll get into. But one of them obvious problems in building the dome was how to get all of these heavy building materials like sandstone and slabs of marble several hundred feet above the ground and then get them into position to to mortar them into place or whatever you did. Now, the sandstone beams that you mentioned before, you said they were seven foot long, Mm -hmm. they weighed 1,700 (coughs) pounds each. Shit. And hundreds of them were needed (laughs) to form these sandstone chains. Not to mention the marble spines. You can imagine how heavy those were. Now, at this time, 1420, no known lifting mechanisms were capable of raising and maneuvering really, really heavy materials like this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the the machines that they had. Um, I, I think you talked about it last time, or you mentioned it last time. You know, they'd gone back to ancient times. It was the Rota Magna, so it, the Great Wheel. Where basically you had like a giant j- modern gerbil wheel, men inside walking along, turning the drum, gathering up the rope, lifting stuff. But and, which is fine. But like you said, there's no way it's going to handle 1,700 pounds, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. They have to. He has, somebody has to come up with something better. Or they can't even get started because the very base of the dome is like, what, 130 or 40 feet. They're going to have to have something just to get it to the beginning of the dome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, that uh, rota magna, the great wheel, the tread wheel that you mentioned, Mm. had been around since ancient times. In fact, somebody who we're going to have to talk about as we move along, um, Marcus Vitruvius Polio, a.k.a. just Vitruvius, Mm -hmm. In his classic *De Architectura*, ten books on architecture, nice. He describes a treadmill turned by tramping men, <laughs> which probably slaves. Right. Um, by By the way, who did Vitruvius dedicate his book to? Oh. His books on architecture.
1: Uh, I don't. When did he live? I don't know. I don't know who he dedicated them to. Was it Augustus? He dedic- Yes, Augustus. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: That's a good safe Um, Yeah, since he's spending all the money dedicated
0: to Augustus. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Which, by the way, is the only surviving major book on architecture from classical antiquity. Wow. Um, It was rediscovered in fourteen fourteen. Damn. by the Florentine humanist Poggio Bracciolini. Right who we're going to talk about in upcoming episodes. Very important guy in the Renaissance, Poggio. <laughs> um, but, you know, Bruno was already in Rome uh, at this stage, working out how to build shit. Right. And uh, di- architectura wasn't uh, translated and available for some years afterwards. Mm. So he, he wasn't able to uh, learn from this. Had to go and figure it all out by himself Again Again (laughs) Anyway, back to the big spinning wheel
1: Spinning wheel turn. Did you find the directing sign on the straight and narrow highway?
0: Anyway, he wrote that song too uh, while he was at right. it, while he was while he was building a new kind of hoist. a uh, little known <laughs> fact, Brunelleschi wrote spinning wheel. Right. So yeah. Uh, now the 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 old spinning wheel, just basically a large wooden wheel. Two men could stand in it, walk side by side. A spindle mm. went through the center of the wheels, attached to ropes. Talk ropes went day. over several right pulleys.
1: Hey, well, that was a
0: Yeah, I got whipped by my slave no. master. No, ah, uh, oh, woke, 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 woke up, woke, no, woke up, got
1: n- whipped. B- bob. Uh, no bob, left, right, left. Okay, yeah. okay, go ahead with your story.
0: Got whipped. Yeah. Uh uh, had, had some gruel for breakfast. Got yeah. whipped again. God, Cut. Uh, yeah. 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 Then, then, then I had to uh, clean, clean his, clean his toilet, yeah. latrine. Yeah, uh, with my t- with with the toothbrush. And yeah. then I came here. It, that's my. Day. It, sounds like the, uh, tra- that yeah. it
1: sounds like the it sounds like the treadmill is the best treadmill is the best part of your day.
0: Yeah, couldn't yeah. wait to get yeah. to the treadmill. It's like oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, so happy to get to work. You should have seen. What- so, and basically, so several pulleys then would uh, pull, pull things up as right. you walked. But it wouldn't work for the Duomo yeah. uh, because, A, Duomo was too high and, B, the stuff they were trying to lift was going to be too heavy. So yeah, he invents a brand new kind of hoist. Well, of course. No one's done that. Right. No one's done that in 2,000 years. Everyone's going, <laughs> this is good enough. He goes, no, not good enough. Yeah. I'm going to invent right. something new. Again, well, but the thing for me was wait, 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 they, yeah, they
1: said, "What experience have you got in inventing shit?" <laughs> he goes, "It can't be that hard." <laughs> Imagination, yeah. No, I I, yeah. just, I just thought that when the Opera del Duomo made this you know announcement on August nineteenth, fourteen eighteen, they also put in there into their little announcement you know any lifting device pertaining to the construction and perfection of said cupola, so they knew they were going to need something. So again, there are there are there are layers and layers of contests going on and like you said no one got paid for the first 200 florins for uh for g- being chosen to build this so again he's got to be wary of like yeah i'll build this thing because i have to invent this thing so i can build the dome but i would really like to see some money come out of this please because you've already stiff stiffed me once
0: <laughs> not that i don't mind being stiffed but uh <laughs> on only by Donat only by donatello okay. on a
1: weekend yeah he's a gentle lover <laughs>
0: So imagine that. It's not enough that he needs to come, he needs to figure out how to build a dome without centering. He also needs to invent <laughs> right. ways of getting stuff up there. Now, <laughs> he invents this new kind of hoist that uses oxen mm-hmm. instead of people. And I'm, it's hard to explain this without visuals, but I'm going to do my best. Okay. So basically, the oxen are attached to a. Uh, um, uh, what would you call it? Um, giant wheel. Like, uh, 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 yeah, a giant wheel that's attached to their collars. Right. And they walk around and around in a circle. Somebody's standing there whipping them.
1: Right, clockwise. They just
0: yeah. walk around, yeah, clockwise in a circle. Board. Um, these things attached to their necks that goes to a shaft. Right. This shaft connects to two cog wheels, a top one and a bottom one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one's once. A cog wheel that's... Uh, think of a flat wheel with um, cogs poking up. And then above that, there's a replica of that, but with the cogs pointing down. Mm-hmm. And then to the side of that, perpendicular to those, you've got another huge cog wheel. And there's a lever that you can pull up and down. And if you pull it up, then the bottom... Cog wheel connects to the big sideways-facing one. Right. And if you pull it down, then the top one comes down. So the way this works then is depending on which cog wheel, the upper one or the lower one, is connected to the central one, you can determine whether or not the hoist is pulling stuff up or letting stuff down. But the the ox just keep moving in the same direction. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to get them off, turn them around, <laughs> tie them back up again. Suck. You just keep... You just keep whipping the ox all day long, right? <laughs> and I want that, child. When you want the hoist to go up, you pull the lever down. When you want the lever, to, the things to come down from the top of the building site, you stick the lever the other way. Right. He invented this. Uh, and it was genius, and it worked. Yeah. Well, and yeah, he won the prize.
1: Well, not not only that, not only did he invent this um this hoist, like you just said, to win the prize, and he does get, I think he gets a hundred um, florin out of it. It took him a month of bitching, but he, fi- he finally got something out of it. So he's got his uh, salary increase. He wins this contest. Uh, he also won the contest for the chains. But the um the point is. That gear that you were talking about, that's a reversible gear. That's the first time in history that this has ever come up. So not only does he invent the hoist, but he invents the reversible gear within the hoist so they don't have to waste time getting the oxen to turn around and go the other way. So this guy is just cracking on all cylinders, um, coming up with the stuff, and, and not to get too far ahead. But by the time the dome is done, this hoist has lifted approximately 700 million pounds. This is a serious piece of engineering that this guy sat down in the win- during the winter of 14, 2021, 20, and thought all this stuff through.
0: Now, around about the time that he built this, uh, a lot of the, this knowledge from the East, as you mentioned before, mm. hadn't actually made its way to Florence yet, but soon after they will. Right. Manuscripts of Greek mechanics and mathematics start arriving, and that really helps inventors and architects in Florence make quantum leaps Mm. in their understanding about these. Because the Greeks were pretty fucking smart. They'd worked a lot of stuff out. But, um, yeah, none of this was available to him. Uh, And around about this time, we'll talk about this in the next episode, but around about 1421, just to show you what a badass he was, (laughs) Brunelleschi was awarded the world's first ever patent for invention. Get the fuck out of here. He's the first person to ever get a patent. He he would be the one. He would insist upon it. He invented patents so he could patent things. You're going to invent them and then patent them. Yeah. You know what? You know what? If I'm going to be inventing shit, I need to be protected. I'm going to invent patents. Right. And then I'm going to take the first patent. (laughs) So uh, that's what he did. Absolute legend. And um, I I guess we'll talk about him more in uh, the next episode. I
1: I just wanted to add on. So after the, you know, because he's a bit of a dick. and, And we said on the last episode that he got into verbal rows with the committee and he actually got thrown at all in his ass at least once. Uh, but after the great hoist is complete and everybody can see for, see for what it is and see its potential because between the oxen, between the cogged wheels, between the size of the cogged wheels, you, everybody can tell who knows anything about this that this stuff is going to be able to have tremendous lifting power. So this huge problem is solved. And so with, with this thing done, that it inspires a confidence not only in the project that yes we might actually be able to do this but it also inspires project a uh, confidence in Bruno so his stock does a go up he is the number one guy now but again he is proving himself over and over to these guys that he truly is the one the only one probably who could build the dome
0: yeah what a legend yeah all right we'll be back next time with more brunelleschi so before we go, Ray, I just want to read a review. We've had a lot of reviews come in recently, so thank you Good, to everybody. You. Um, we're going to get uh, caught up in reading some of the reviews, but this is one from Tony Kynaston, our mate, Big Red. Big Red. <laughs> right. um, came with us to Europe. Uh, he and his daughter, lovely daughter, Alex. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smart. <laughs> Tony writes, after 24 years, all I get is a pair of doors. <laughs> Dear Listener. You have probably arrived at this podcast because you typed Bukaki into Google. <laughs> now, before you look at the artwork of Cam and Ray and decide that this is not for you, have a listen. Cam and Ray are the Derek and Clive of podcasting. And if you don't know who Derek and Clive are, one is tall, smart and funny, and the other is just short. Although the short one did go on to a successful career playing drunks in Hollywood. Nice. But just a little tip, though. Don't listen from episode one. No, my friend. This podcast is a very long preamble. I recommend starting from episode twenty-five. <laughs> Listening to this series is like waiting for Ghiberti to cast the doors of the Duomo baptistry. It takes twenty-four years. At least the guild got a pair of bronze doors out of Ghiberti. So just skip ahead and enjoy the Renaissance times. It really is very good, and there is Bukaki. Wow! Uh, Don't hold thanks. Back, Tony. Yeah, I thanks. Think, Tony. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to wish you did, uh, punch him in the face when you were in right. <laughs> I should have. Oh, well.
1: Yeah. You would have needed a ladder yeah. as we said, yeah. but uh, I think. I really need a hoist. I
0: think Tony's taking the piss there. I think. I think I'm not sure. Yeah. I'll have to check on that. Right. Thank you, Tony. Um, you don't have to send me your address, Tony. Yeah. I know your address. Right. So, uh, I'm going to. Walk it over. Send you something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Not going to be a coffee, mate. Uh, it's going to be something. <laughs> okay.